this week's edition of the Lashing Out Podcast and the Sports Town Network. He's Kevin Quigley. I'm Jared Prugar. Kevin, it is blue-white week, and Penn State is about to be popping at Beaver Stadium once again. Yeah, I think uh, there will be a Penn State football victory this weekend. Um, whether it's the blue team or the white team, we'll figure it out. But uh, yeah, I'm ah, excited. Take the low-hanging fruit. I'm excited to see... Um, what is Drew Aller is as QB one? What is Jackson Smolik and Bo Perbula as the quarterback two battle? Um, who's going to be wide receiver three? Who's going to be tight end three? Who's going to be that free safety? Who's going to, you know, who's who's going to be cornerback two? Who's going to be the D tackle? Uh, a lot of questions maybe won't get answered, but we might be a little bit more funneled to the answer after uh, probably about five o'clock on Saturday. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, James Franklin mentioned Tuesday after practice that it's going to be a, a regular spring football game format, offense versus defense, whatever. I'm not sure how many reps ones and twos are going to go against each other or ones V ones or what, or what have you, but I'm very interested to see Drew Haller. I'm very interested to see Bo Perbola get some reps. I don't think they're going to be a lot of reps, but they're still going to be quality reps. And I think that's the big thing is seeing those guys out on the field. I mean, we still got a position battle at wide receiver. You know, we know that Kendra Lambert Smith is the number one guy. Harrison Wallace, Trey Wallace is the second guy. It's who's going to be that number three guy. Is that going to be Malik McLean? Who is it going to be? And that's going to be what I'm interested to see is if there is that third person that can that can really step up and, and be a factor at the wide receiver position. Yeah. So wide receiver position is clearly going to be the the main question mark there. And it's a position where you know you're going to get four or five guys in at a game, maybe six. So who is wide receiver three? Maybe doesn't matter uh in term I guess, but in terms of game started. Um but yeah it's gonna be who does emerge. And then also like We've we shoot in KLS and Tig Wallace as being one and two, but you know what kind of growth have they had throughout the spring? Like, are they ready? Are they ready to be wide receiver one, wide receiver two? You know, Malik Mega said he loves playing special teams, but at some point in time, he's got to get on offense. You know what I mean? So, I, I'm just excited to see what that room is going to be because maybe last year, you know, you had Parker Washington, you had Mitchell Tinsley, but I feel like this year's room is probably going to be a little bit better, even though they don't maybe not necessarily have the big names. Yeah, right. And that's the thing. I mean, we get to see these guys in action at Beaver Stadium, and I think that is that is very valuable. Um, but let's be real, and we'll talk about this here in the second segment, but this is a big-time recruiting weekend. So all of the stops are going to be pulled. Everything is going to be popping, really. And I think that's, that's something to you can't kind of take lightly. And when you have that, you know, it's going to be interesting to see really what happens for Penn state and and seeing what they want to do with some of the, some of these positions, you know, you look up up front, they're probably improved. Um, As far as on the offensive side of the football running backs, I don't think we give them enough credit. I don't think you give the running backs enough credit because they were two freshmen that were ready to play college football and dominated. Really, we, that's, we take them for granted, honestly. Like, we've talked all offseason about wide receiver, offensive line, defensive line, who's going to play safety, who's going to play cornerback. We're just like, yeah, Nick Singleton and Katron Allen, you know, two easily freshman of the year candidates last year. 
And all of a sudden it's just like, yeah, they're, they're going to do the same thing this year. Like we're just shooting them in that. We're not even talking about growth with them. Like yeah, how much right. have they learned this off season? It's like, man, they were so good last year. Who the hell cares? Yeah. Right. And that's the thing. Like they're so good. And it was so fast. You know, this isn't 2020 when Noah came, when journey Brown went down, when Noah came went down and you're like, Oh shit. And then and the rest is history. Right. But now, you know, now you get to see what these guys are and they're back and they're, and you know, knock on wood they're hopefully they stay healthy. So I don't think we're going to see a lot from those guys, but again, that's another position. Who's going to be third back. Um, who's going to be that third guy because Penn state in over time has shown that matters. So there are so many things that still can be hashed out based on what happens on, on Saturday, but also over the summer too. I think Penn state just got a key transfer portal, uh, addition in Trey Potts, a uh, guy who had 1,023 yards the last couple of years at Minnesota, nine touchdowns, four and a half, eight, 4.8 yards per carry. Um, like that's a guy who's going to fit it right, right in it. RB three. And he's going to be a guy looking at to get into the normal rotation. So you, you look at where this Penn state team was in terms of depth, especially at the running back position in 2020, after they lost journey Brown, you're down to like one, two scholarship guys. Now they've got three, four, five rolling in the backfield. And it's, there's really only maybe one, maybe two on the field at a time. Like it's going to be a crowded backfield this year. And, they're just that's just bodes well, even better for Katron Allen and Nick Nick Singleton, right? And it's crowded in a good way, right? You know, there's depth, but it's not, you know, where Katron Allen and Nick Singleton are far and above everybody else, or, or Katron Allen is far above Nick Singleton, or or what have you. It's quality depth. There's competition, so so guys like Potts are going to come in, and, and guys like Tank Brown or um, Tank Smith. I'm sorry are going to come in and push these guys to get better. And that I think is huge too, because when you have that, that competition and that, that competitive depth only makes you better. And the best way to do that is by recruiting. And that's recruiting in the portal and that's recruiting high school kids and Penn state has proven over the last 10 years, they can do it and they can do it really well. And we're going to talk more about that here in the second segment when we come back Lashing out podcast on the Sports Now Network. Welcome back to the second segment of the Lashing Out Podcast on the Sports Now Network. He's Kevin. I'm Jared. Kevin, Penn State is has been a top 25 recruiting team since James Franklin arrived on campus. The biggest guy, the biggest person that's been a big, been the biggest factor is Terry Smith. Terry Smith, Whippio guy, that pipeline is about, is, you know, is, is probably the only thing clean on the way from Pittsburgh to Altoona to State College based on uh, on traffic and construction and all that. But that, that, that Whippio pipeline um, has been awesome. But more so, they're recruiting nationwide now and they're 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 getting outside of the penn state footprint which is the dmv pennsylvania ohio michigan new york new jersey they're getting away from that footprint and that i think is what's most impressive for penn state on the recruiting front yeah they've got two guys from the same school in florida um aj 
Belgrave Shorter just recruit just committed earlier this week from uh, Mandarin High School in Florida, and another one of his teammates, his name escapes me at this point in time. So like, I mean, they're hitting Florida hard, and it's just it's one of those things. It's just going to start propagating. You start pulling kids in from Florida, and you know, high school football isn't what it was. I feel like even ten years ago, like, or I guess ten years ago is kind of when it started. It's like when seven on seven and whatnot really kicked up. Now you got guys playing padded football in, in the fall, seven on seven in the spring. And like, that's not really limited to the school. Like that's pulling kids across all the states, cross state lines. Cause it's so much more flexible. Um, especially when you get into the spring and then into the summer. So like they start hearing about guys going to Penn state from Florida and it's like, Oh yeah. You know, it's quick two and a half hour plane ride to state college. Like my parents can come every weekend. Like, Orlando to state college is nothing to do. Jacksonville state college is nothing to do. So like, that's the kind of stuff that's going to start propagating. And then that's really how they're going to start to try to shift the balance because yeah, they've recruited Pennsylvania hard. They've recruited New Jersey hard, Maryland, DMV, whatnot, but getting those guys across the board, you really start getting Penn state's name out there. And you may miss that one guy you're targeting, but next year, they have the additional exposure and then you get a guy in the junior class when you're recruiting the seniors. So it's, it's really exciting to see. Yeah. And I mean, it's not that they're getting guys that are bad. They're getting really, really good football players. Now, of course, you know, I always say it when, when they get to campus, the stars don't matter anymore. That's just the level of, of expectation they have, but you know, you get guys like that, you know, they got Quentin Martin um, as well. They're, so they're so they're dominating the state of Pennsylvania, but they're also getting guys from outside of the area too. And I think that's you know that's the breadth of, of Penn State recruiting. And I think that's the best part about it is you know there are going to be years where Penn State where Pennsylvania as a whole is down based on the class. There are going to be times where probably the DMV is is not as high up as it as it could have been, or or New Jersey or whatever. But going out and getting guys to come from Florida. To Happy Valley is a wild time because we all know that the weather in Florida is, you know, pretty nice year round. Whereas Penn State, not so much. Yeah, it's. I lived in Florida for a year. I lived in Pennsylvania for four. Uh, Florida is significantly better in January than Pennsylvania is. So uh, I can agree with you on there. And it's, I mean, Ohio State's been down there. They've been down in Florida and Georgia. So. It's just really expanding. It's just another team in the Big Ten recruiting that state. And it's kind of like Florida and Texas are really your top two states for high school football in terms of really high-level talent. And, like, those are just states that you got to get into. Because, like you said, Pennsylvania could have a down year. DMV area could have a down year. You know, Virginia Beach isn't producing five-star talents every year. So you really have to expand that base and get a good foothold. So, like, if that one guy pops up that you need that maybe your state's lacking – you really need to get there. And it seems like they're starting to really get some roots established. Yeah. And I mean, uh, J1 Cider has been a huge part of that. And, you know, I think that's one of those things too, that having guys like that on the staff and you know, they talked to, and J1 talked about it after, after practice Tuesday, most of the guys on the offensive side of the football and even Terry Smith have played, can play quarterback. So, you know, we talk about, different adjustments and different things right but when you look at the Penn State coaching staff a lot of those guys have played quarterback and that 
that's how you call your offense. You call it from the quarterback's eyes. You see what they want, what they're seeing. So it gives them a little bit different of a look. And I think that's that's unique as well. But you, these guys are, are quality recruiters. Are getting guys to campus now. Will they produce? Who knows? But at Penn State, you know, it's a blessing and a curse that you have to play a true freshman. It's a blessing that that they're good enough to see the field. It's a curse though, because what if they, you know, get hurt? What have you? But at the same time, now if I'm a high school senior, I'm like, oh, well, there's a chance I can go in and play and compete and play right away. And if I'm good enough and I earn it, and that I think is huge as well. Yeah, and and the coaching staff does a really good job of rotating talent everywhere except quarterback, because obviously you're not going to rotate guys in there. But even Drew Aller got how many games last year? Eight, nine games that he appeared in. Mm -hmm. So, you know – it just shows that those guys, you know, you can come in and no position is closed off. And, you know, if we have an established starter, he still needs a couple series off here and there. And uh, that spot's open up or, you know, they, they beat up West Virginia and they're up 40 to nothing in the fourth quarter or something with eight minutes to go. It's going to be backups. It's going to be true freshmen. It's going to be sophomores in there. So yeah, it's a place where they've done a really good job of adjusting to that part of the portal because that's really what they have to do is if, if you don't give guys playing times and don't give guys opportunities, they're going to leave in the portal because they think they can go somewhere else and play. So I don't know how well other colleges are doing that. I don't, I can't say religiously watch every other program and know what their uh, 44 man deep roster looks like, but Penn state has definitely done a good adjustment there. Well, I mean, you look at Penn state players that have transferred out, right. Or, or entered the portal on their end, you know, the the biggest name I think that, that's going to go out and get better playing time down the road is Christian Vier. I mean, and he was a guy that was behind Aller and Prabola. So that makes sense. The guys that leave Penn State, it makes absolute sense why they're leaving Penn State, why they're going to look at a better opportunity. More often than not, it's a, it's not always – in the Big Ten, it's it's usually a step down or, or, or something similar to that. Excuse me, but you know that that matters too because if I'm a if I'm a high school running back, I see Nick Singleton and I see Katron Allen and I'm like, oh, okay, these guys are freshmen. These are true freshmen. And in, in college athletics, that didn't used to be the case. I mean, I think up until the '80s, they had freshman teams, um, especially for basketball, and, and they even had JV teams for football. So it's not always been as cut and dry as if you're if you're a good freshman, you're going to play. You had to go in and earn it. And, and these guys now are coming in and earning it every day, earning it, earning their playing time. And and it shows and it it's that competitive level of football that James Franklin and Penn State want. That's that's what's on every door outside the last building. It's the most competitive environment in college football. And to do that, you got to compete at every position. And for the longest time, they didn't always have that. But you look at, you know, I'm, I'm going to use the running backs, right? You have Singleton and, and Allen. But you've also got Saquon and, and Miles Sanders, too, right? That, that That's not a bad ace in the hole to have. Hey, see what they're doing in the NFL? Okay. Same thing with the receivers. Chris Godwin, right? Jahan Dotson, even. Tight ends, Mike Asicki. Pat Fryermuth, you know, you look at guys like that and you're like, mm, okay, linebacker, it's easy. Abdul Carter, the comparisons to, to Michael Parsons aren't, are going to be endless this year. But 
you know that that's what makes it endearing to high schoolers. I can come in and compete. And and Penn State, from for what it works, they're a bunch of I'm going to quote Terry Smith here, truth tellers, right? They're not blowing smoke up these recruits' asses. They are ready to go. It's just one of those situations that they they tell they're honest. They recruit both the the athlete, the family, and and everybody involved, and they go out and get these guys. Yeah, I think I think that's the aspect that we're that we've maybe not touched on as much as you're recruiting to Penn state. They're not going to tell you any lies. Like how many people left Texas A&M after getting their money or left Texas the first year of NIL, you know, how many, how many of those guys left? Um, I guess they didn't leave Texas the first year NIL is Quinn years went Ohio state to Texas, but like how many of those guys left Jimbo Fisher's number one recruiting class? Because he probably just blew smoke up their ass for six months. And finally like, Oh yeah, I'm coming. And Come in, like, get your bag and leave. Yeah. So Penn's you don't have that at Penn State. And I think that's that's definitely a credit to the coaching staff. Yeah, and that's impressively and, and that's starting to be impressively difficult now because of NIL, because of the way the transfer portal is. And and let's be real, they they focus on the NIL in in football and even in men's basketball. Right. And we're going to talk about this in the third segment. It, 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 I don't we talk about Michael Shrewsbury until we're blue in the face, right? But we know it wasn't NIL, and it, it sure as heck wasn't compensation that ultimately led to, for him to to go back to his home state. But you know, NIL makes things so much more difficult because hey, you get this thirteen million dollar deal, you can go play. But at Penn State, I mean, they're they're getting taken care of, um, and and it shows, and and they're staying, and the team is good. They won the Rose Bowl. I mean, obviously that was last year, but. This is this has every intention of being a really good team, uh, if they are able to put things together. But we put two segments together. Let's put together our third and final segment after we come back from this quick break on the Nittany Sports Now Network. Welcome back to the third and final segment podcast and the sports now network he's kevin i'm jared kevin james franklin shared a little bit of light on the basketball deal um you know with michael shrewsbury and and they both have said that they're good friends they've they've been honest and open about that and you know rightfully so i think there's a lot in common uh between the two other than different in sports they're both um you know guys that are pretty good at what they do right um but he mentioned it wasn't the NIL that was the problem. It, and he kind of vaguely mentioned that it was the facilities that were an issue in keeping Michael Shrewsbury. And that kind of makes sense when you look at the way the Bryce Jordan Center is set up as a whole. I mean, the Bryce Jordan Center is a great venue for a Carrie Underwood concert, a monster truck show. And, and when that building is packed, it is a, a phenomenal arena for, for athletics. I mean, you see that every year with wrestling. Wrestling packed it twice this year. And it was incredible. Those Bryce Jordan wrestling matches are some of the most entertaining um, events at Penn State. So that is always a plus. But for basketball, you got to be good to fill it. And it's not always easy to fill it. No, and Penn State's really not a traditional basketball school. They're definitely not a blue butt. 
you know, they went to the final four one time in like the fifties, what was it? 1954, I think. So, and they were just, they've been dumpster fire for so long. You had the 2011 team, you had the 2020 team, but it's literally just one year. The next year they stink. So people get on board, they get hype, and then they tune into the start of the next season, like two or three games. in. it's like, man, this stinks. Uh, yeah, I'm not going. So it doesn't help that you have hockey and wrestling at the same time. You know, Penn State's definitely more of a wrestling school. They're definitely more hockey than they are basketball. So it's really competitive, both intra-school athletics. Um, and they've, you know, they've got a hockey was in the was in the tournament this year. Wrestling, wrestling won a national championship. They've won what ten of twelve at this point in time. So for Penn State basketball to really gain a foothold within the student body, they've got to be consistently good to pack it and they just haven't been it's any sniffling of success is very short-lived and yeah it's you got to make money to get facility upgrades because facility upgrades cost money and then to get money you have to be good and you got to pack bjc to get the money so yeah to pack the bjc you got to pack pack it with fifteen thousand people yeah and yeah is that great if that's a crowd, yes, but let's be real. There are plenty of schools around the country that don't have that type of seating capacity in their arenas. Looking at you, Duke, even Carolina, I don't think is at 15,000. They might be close, but just to name a few, like those are blue bloods. Penn State is just blue in color. So, you know, and that's just the, the game arena, right? It's not the Bryce Jordan Center practice facilities, the gyms. The weight rooms, the locker rooms, I think, have been improved over the course of the last few years. But the practice facilities, you know, those those are the things that matter. Those are the things it, it's college athletics now is keeping up with the Joneses. It's making sure that you can afford to keep up with everybody. James Franklin's alluded to it. You know, you have to be ahead. And Penn State was ahead. The last building was state of the art at the time. Haluba Hall was state of the art at the time when they were built. And then everybody caught up. You provide the blueprint, everybody copies those blueprints, and voila. So that is that is a thing, too. But, you know, when, when you're a college basketball coach or a college coach or a coach at all, you want to be in complete control of everything that you can. You don't want any anything external to be an issue. Right, Shorten Center, it's not necessarily run by Penn State. So there's issues as far as that goes. It's multi-events, so it's not just basketball-specific. So you have to worry about con- concerts. You have to worry about scheduling. And, and so there's just so many external factors that are annoying as a, as a college basketball coach that you don't want to worry about, right? And, and that's the thing, you know, so then there you go. You And now Shrewsbury is at Notre Dame. Now, don't get me wrong. I do think that family was the big reason – but talking about facilities, yeah, you have to kind of look at the Bryce Jordan Center and the other facilities to really think of, okay, what can Penn State do better here? Um, you look at Rec Hall just down the street across campus, 6,500 people. When Penn State played, Penn State Hoops played at Rec Hall, incredible atmosphere, right? Packed it, packed it. So, you know, James Franklin's right. You got to gotta have the facilities because – a lot of these guys love that eye candy. They love, oh, this is going to be where I can take a selfie. This is where I can take this or do this. Or this is going to help. There's nutrition, nutrition bars, food, lounges, everything. There's just so many layers to the college recruitment cycle now. And 
every every school has to be keeping up with each other because you're not just recruiting guys to come to Penn State. You're recruiting them to not go to Ohio State, to go to Alabama, to go to Georgia, to Michigan, the Michigan State of the world. So you're recruiting for your university, but to also to keep them out of out of your conference too. Yeah, and we'll see how Mike Rhodes uh, adjusts to that. He VCU plays at the Siegel Center. Uh, it's downtown Richmond. I mean, there's no pro sports in Richmond. Not that there is in State College. So pretty similar town. Richmond's obviously a bigger city. It's a capital city of the state. Um, but Mike Rhodes, I mean, he's been VCU always sells out. It's probably a 7,500, 8,000 seat arena. So now you're doubling that. So, uh, it seems like he's gaining some good commitments with, you know, getting his transfers coming back or excuse me, getting his former players at VCU to get, come into the program. I think that's good for continuity. It's a good first, first step for the coach, um, to really be there in his first season. So hopefully, you know, he's able to sustain the success. It feels like, yeah, it's a gut punch that Shrewsbury left. And, you know, the program has definitely lost momentum from that. But, you know, if they start showing out the first six, eight games, excuse me, you know, if you're if they're good the first three or four weeks of the season when they should be, when you're playing your non-conference schedule, it's hopefully it just reignites that excitement. It's like, oh, yeah, he, the coach left, but – uh. The team's still good. The new coach, he's he's not half bad himself. So we'll see how it goes. I, I really hope, I feel like if they sustain the momentum for a couple of years, then that's when they we might start seeing some upgrades. Yeah, and I think the big thing for, for Rhodes is he's in it for the long haul, it seems. So that is a plus. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not overly concerned about what roster they're going to put together because Shrewsbury proved you can go to the portal and put together five guys, ten guys, and – throw them on the court and, and see what happens and just kind of build around them until you get your guys there. But for Rhodes, he's bringing his guys with them, some of them, and that's huge, you know? And so that's going to be something to, to kind of monitor the improvements, to the facilities, not just at the, at Beaver stadium, which those are coming, but also around campus with the Bryce Jordan center with even rec hall and, and places like that. That all is going to matter in the grand scheme of things. But lo and behold, here we are. And Kevin, before we wrap it up, you're going to be at the game this weekend. I am. First ever media credential. Uh, I will be at Beaver Stadium this Saturday. Uh, kickoff for the blue-white game is at 2 p.m. If you're not aware, uh, Penn State Athletics has tweeted out a really nice pictured graphic for all the timing of everything. Uh, you can go public skating at 11.30 a.m. before the game. Uh, you got men's volleyball in action twice this weekend. You got some softball, gymnastics, golf. Uh, it's a full weekend for, for Penn State Athletics. So go up, support football, but also don't be afraid to support the other teams. And uh, if you're listening, just hit me up on Twitter. Uh, I run the I run the podcast account. If you follow my personal account, just hit me up if you want to meet up. Uh, uh, since I'm coming up just for the weekend solo, uh, I won't be tailgating. So if you got a tailgate you want to invite me to, uh, feel free. I can uh, eat some burgers and drink some beer. Yeah, it must be nice, Kevin. I will be, God knows where I'll be, actually. I have a busy weekend plan. We have a dance competition for the little one. I have a baseball tournament that I'm coaching, and it's opening weekend for Little League. So the blue-white game is not on my calendar, but I will. But rest assured I will be watching somewhere, somehow, 
know what's going on, and we will be doing a podcast live and in person together after the game at some point. So be prepared for that. Be prepared for all the content to come on Sports Now from the Blue White Weekend. I'm very excited to see what we've got in store. I'm very excited to see Penn State football back on the field. I'm excited for some Tom and Joe's this weekend. Oh, that's that doesn't sound too bad, Kevin. Are you taking me or what? I was hoping since you're hosting me, you know. <laughs> I see how it is. <laughs> but on that note, will we get breakfast together? Who knows? But for right now, it's time to take a break. We'll talk to you again Saturday night after the blue-white game on the Nittany Sports Now Network. This has been the Lashing Out Podcast with Kevin Grayley and Jared Pizarro. We'll talk to you again later this week.